Okay, I know a lot of people in the houseplant world are divided on fake plants, but how do we feel about fake plants that I made? Oh. <laughs> I have a llama cactus that's fake that I made. It's if you watch Emperor's New Groove, uh, Yzma throws the poison into a cactus pot and, and then the cactus in. turns into a llama because yeah. it's llama poison. Um, but I made it. I recreated it. I made it out of insulation foam and I painted it and I sprayed it. And Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. Do we I like would, that as a fake plant? I would, say I would argue that's not a fake plant. That is an art piece. Art piece, yes, darling. Yeah. It's art. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth millions. Uh, yes, darling. One of a kind. He's adorable and I love him. And I make sure to put him in a spot where he doesn't actually get any sunlight because he's paint and I don't want him to right. fade. <laughs> uh, this is, it was more so a joke, but Adrian has told me that I'm not allowed to have fake plants because if I'm going to take up space with a fake plant, might as well be a real plant. But the thing is, it's nice to just have fake plants in a windowless bathroom sometimes. That's yeah, about the only place I put it. fake plants. That is the only, besides my llama cactus, that is the only place I have fake plants in this house. I believe there is a time and place for fake plants. It's just getting them right. Yeah. They have to be a convincing fake too. Yeah. And that's a hard, I mean, Target has really upped their game with fake plants. Depends. Don't look at those Monsteras. No, but they had a Calathea that was like, wow, that looks just like it. It was a Dottie. Yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. There's a time and a place where you can find like a really convincing fake plant. And that's Mm -hmm. when I've bought them. Like uh, Ikea had the, um. The Hoya Bella mm-hmm. fake plant. I like that one. It's a touch waxy to me. Yeah, but it's trailing and it still looks nice. Yeah. So I have that one in my bathroom in a butt pot. <laughs> I was going to say, my friend has an Ikea orchid, a fake orchid that she got from Ikea. That's pretty convincing. Nice. Wow. And Take it to the Orchid Society meeting. Yeah. Take it to the State Fair. <laughs> Ma'am, this is a fake plant. I can't wait for the State Fair this year. <laughs> oh my God, it's December and we're already talking about State Fair entries. <laughs> That's too far. Everyone, welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Christine. And I'm Mackie. Today, we are going to be talking about philodendrons and monstera. Yeah, we decided to combine them because they grow very similarly. They have fairly similar anatomy structures, um, uh, specifically for vining types. And yeah, so smash them together and they get mixed up all the time because you'll hear the split leaf philodendron and they're... It's actually the Monstera Deliciosa. God, never say the word splitly philodendron in front of me again. <laughs> or Swiss cheese plant. Just stop calling them that. Yeah. Because they mean like three different things and two of them aren't even right. <laughs> Why don't we just start on that and then we'll get that off the table. Swiss cheese plant? Swiss cheese plant. I think you're using it, not you, but like the general you. Uh, people use it to describe the Monstera adansonii. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a vining leaf um that although all the little fenestrations they're, they're closed they're not like fingers um just has holes in it looks like swiss cheese right yeah but people also use swiss cheese plant to describe the regular monstera deliciosa uh-huh stop that <laughs> i've got a theory on to why it's both of them why because my mimi refers to my monstera deliciosa as a swiss cheese plant but she doesn't know adansonii as a swiss cheese plant whereas everyone who knows that adansonii is that are newer people younger I think it has shifted fairly recently to the Adansonii from the Deliciosa. Okay, so like 10, 15 years ago, you think the Swiss cheese plant was just this monster Deliciosa? Within the last 10 years. Okay. Within the last 10 years, the oh. Adansonii wasn't really in the hobby, I don't mm. feel. And then when it got popular, they started branding it as a Swiss cheese plant. Because they can't think of anything else to call it. <sighs> I mean, I would argue if 
one of them is the Swiss cheese plant. It's the Edinsoniae. Yeah. Or that family. Well, and then like split leaf philodendron. I've seen them call Monstera that. I've seen them probably also call Raphidophora tetrasperma that. Well, then my- you have the Philodendron bipinatophytum, which is actually thematophyllum now. Didn't uh, the Raphidophora tetrasperma used to be mini Monstera? Yeah, they or Monstera ginny. Yeah. Oh god. Um, and it's not a Monstera. <laughs> no, it's a Raphidophora. They, they used to call it Monstera minima. Oh, mm. yep. And it, then they changed it, I guess. Yeah. Like they was would- it a reclassification or were they just calling it a Monstera when it was never a Monstera? I honestly couldn't tell you because that was so long ago. Ugh, frustrating. Interesting. Yeah. And then like the thematophyllum bipinatophytum was also like, you know, split leaf philodendron, which it is a split leaf philodendron, but it's also not a monstera. So let's stop calling the monstera split leaf philodendron because it's not a philodendron. I've always heard bipinatophyllum referred to as the horsehead philodendron. Bipinatophytum. Yep. Yep. Bipinatophytum. Yeah. Yeah, so you're one. thinking of a different one. Different I'm, than bipenifolium. Yeah. No, I'm thinking. Unless I said it wrong the second time. No, I th- I think I'm getting mine wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. yours is, I've always heard it called the horsehead philodendron. That's and, the bipenifolium. Okay. The bipenatophytum is the, like the lacy, it's Salome Hope. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then again, that's another name that means this. That's, this is why scientific names are <sighs> important. Let's just call our plants by their scientific name. Thank you. By their government names. <laughs> your, not your Christian name. <laughs> not your given name. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Care seems to be very, very similar for these across the board. So, again, that's why we're grouping them together. And fairly um, minimal, I would argue. Right. If you have a happy plant, it's not demanding. Right. My elbow, people say, are very hard and slow growers, is easily my most successful plant right now because it gets lots of light. It has something to climb. It has a big pot because they like space. And gets fertilized. But you didn't overpot it either, though. Because no. a lot of people, I feel like the, when someone tells them it needs a bigger pot, they're not actually looking at how big the root ball is and what size it should go in. They just put it in too big of a pot. Well, with Monster, I would argue. So I actually took a chapter out of Daryl Chang. He said, when you up-pot your Monsteras, put it in a pot as big around as its largest leaf. And that way you give it enough room to grow and be happy and you're not immediately repotting it again. Because with my elbow, I was repotting every like three months because it was just growing so fast. Okay. And now I've been able to just kind of like leave it. Uh, does it that do reasoning apply if you have more than one vine in the pot? I, I would argue that you would want even more mm-hmm. space, right? Because you got two root balls. I always just go based on size. There's a root ball. I don't pay attention to the size of the leaf. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's Monstera, like the Deliciosa style. Yeah. Specifically, not that you guys are uh, ever going to get sick of me talking about light, but <laughs> we, Christine and I have been talking about our elbows because yours, you started it over June. Yep. So I, yours is 10 months of growth. I chopped it all the way back in like May. I had like five growth points. I had five propagations going. I kept two of them in June and then sold the rest off. And now I have two, three, three and a half foot tall plants with big leaves, big leaves, excellent variegation, double penetrations, beautiful chunks of white. Yeah. And like latched onto their moss pole and I don't even touch the moss pole. Like I don't wet it or anything. It just finds its way to wrap around. And then mine uh, lives in a South facing window. I have stakes instead of moss poles. It doesn't dry out. I had actually repotted it fairly recently too. Um, giant leaves, two vines. I, they, the, the plant was two single node cuttings in February. So it's been 10 months, Mm -hmm. 11 months and same. My plant is the same. 
size are slightly bigger than Christine's at three to four feet tall, two vines, big leaves, excellent variegation, no browning. Mm-hmm. It's only been 10 months. Inner fenestrations too, yep. which is not something I see on elbows all that often. Yeah, I've got mine too. Yeah, that new leaf is pretty cool. And yeah, it just, it's, it's just chilling. Yeah, it's, it's easy going. Thing. Even if I let it get a little too dry, no big deal. Yep. It did get a little mad that I didn't upgrade its poles soon enough because it had uh, a, a loose vine just hanging out, not attached to anything. And it gave me a small leaf. Right. So. But yeah, no, they're they're super easy going. I don't have any issues with them. I even grew a regular Deliciosa. No problems, just fine. Um, you can let them dry out a little, but don't let the soil go too dry. If they get enough light, they just grow on their own. They're not demanding. They don't need humidity. Mm-hmm. They appreciate fertilizer. They do like soil. I would say definitely soil over LECA. LECA. I um, agree with that. In that same breath, my Monstera El Salvador, Siltapacana El Salvador, as soon as I moved it to soil, it immediately started giving me larger leaves. I am I, I am thinking my next leaf is going to have fenestrations on it. What? Yeah, they are. Do they do that? Yeah. They are palm size right now and like Ooh. probably like that long. Shit. And I think the next leaf is going to have fenestrations. Oh, I am it. excited to see that. Yeah. I'm air layering it too so I can chop it down and start it up again. I grew a regular Siltipicana and Lekka that did fairly well. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I have Thai constellations, three of them in Lekka. And I, that's my preferred method for just Thai constellations because okay. of the rot issue a lot of people have. Oh, sure. Is um, that a real issue or is that just people not giving their plants enough light? I, <laughs> you have the smile that um, crept across your face. <laughs> There's drama with that, but I believe it's not enough light and too much water for most people. Right. Um, I And just my general care, Lekka works best for me with Thai constellations. I started my Tycon in Lekka, but it was growing so fast. I was like, I'm not going to like this in five months when it's in a 10 inch pot already. So I immediately swapped it to soil. That's the only reason why I went to soil with that one. Yeah, I've got two in soil at the moment and then three in Lekka. And I'm just kind of... I'm kind of preferring the Lekka ones still just because they're bigger and nicer, but the soil one I think will catch up pretty quickly. Sure. Well, your soil one's pretty small. Yeah, my soil one, the like newest leaf on it is like that, like four or five inches. Okay. Do you climb your tycons? At the moment, no. Okay. Uh, mine but are crawling right now, or mine is crawling right now too. I do have plans to put one of my ones with Lekka, that's in Lekka, against a plank, uh-huh. and I'm going to plank it, see what that does. I my, see yours, Kaylin, has kind of like started to do its own thing. I have upwards. five leaves and it was a big cutting. So I just, I think I laid the stem in the soil so I could get more roots coming out of it. Right. Um, when it was a cutting, but yeah, it's, it, it's appearing to like, like wanting to grow up. I'm just, I don't do moss poles. I'm just going to do stakes. And if it wants to do whatever the fuck it wants, I don't care. Yeah. Well, I think Take over my window in the next year. I know. I think with the Monsteras, the roots aren't, they do anchor a lot, but I think a lot of it is they run down to the ground and go into the, yeah. and become actual roots. They resupport themselves with their roots. I was listening to an interview with Jane Perone, I think, and I think Tony LeBritton, and he says that most aeroids, if you don't redirect the aerial roots back into the pot, there will come a point where it does not have the root at the base to sustain it. You need to be redirecting uh, them back into the pot, otherwise... Okay. They just don't have the root mass. There was this semi, semi-relevant semi tangent. Uh, TikTok, for the longest time, people were taking their Monstera aerial roots and just putting them in water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, why not just put it back in the pot? Yeah, they're like, oh, it can get extra water this way. Well, it's like the newest leaf is so much bigger now. I'm like, yeah, because it's getting more water. Put it in the pot. <laughs> put it in the pot and it'll get more nutrients to yeah. go with that water. It's just funny. 
I think it's funny the people with the aerial roots that are just like 12 feet long. Like, what are you doing? Oh, and they're just like hanging out. Yeah. Or like somebody, there's somebody who rolls them up into like a coil and then places it underneath the plant stand the plant lives on. I mean, mine, I've got just one. Just cut them off. Yeah, just cut them or redirect them. One of my ties has like a three or four foot wrong, long root <laughs> just shooting underneath one of my racks. And I just haven't been bothered enough put it, to. Put it in a jar of water. <laughs> put it in the jar of water, see what happens. So I was growing my gigantium in the east facing patio door and it had just these insane aerial roots that were doing whatever they wanted and they were very long and I just got to the point where I was like I hate you and I cut them all off (laughs) we're we're gonna have to be careful in this episode not to hop between philodendron and monstera too much but like you started talking about a philodendron we were talking monstera yeah I know but it had crazy aerial roots it's all the same yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so monstera philodendron do we want to we're talking so vining philodendrons first. We'll get to self-heading because they're kind of their own little category. Oh gosh, you're right, aren't they? Um, the amount of light each plant wants. I know you can easily grow them in medium light. They're probably going to prefer bright light. They're not going to prefer outside direct light. Correct. My plumonii has liked medium to low light. Yeah. And mammii. Yeah. The crawlers. And gloriosum. So, um... Crawling philodendrons where they will crawl vertically or uh, horizontally, right? Across they, the top. No of the matter surface. what you do, if you try to climb them up, they just, they're not meant to do that. They're meant to let go in long pots. Um, we have found tend to, since they're usually on the ground in nature, like lower, lower amounts of light, not no light, not low light, but so mine are in a West window on the furthest side of the window, close to, um, a building blockage. So they're getting maybe only three to four hours of directly western light. But other than that, it's just ambient light all day. And they're happy. Big old leaves on them. I was going to say, I think most of mine are larger Thai constellations at this point, And they're getting their own individual lights at this point. Sure. I don't have as many aeroids as you two do. I lost like 80% of mine fairly recently. And I just haven't gotten to replacing or sure. replacing them yet. I keep saying, give your plants the most light as possible. Ha ha. <laughs> I mean, and 85 to 90% of the time, that is correct. Give them as most light as possible. Yeah. There's just a the couple outliers that are like, yeah, no. If I had to pick between Monstera and Philodendron, who wants more light? I would say Monstera. I would agree. Like if we were ranking them. Yeah, I would agree as well. Yeah. I just had a double, I had a mental check myself. <laughs> it's like, who is... I think that's because monsteras are primarily climbers. They like to climb. They like to climb up the tree, mm-hmm. so they gradually get exposed to more and more light to the point where there's probably times where they get nearly full sun right. if they hit hit the top. My, I would say the one philodendron I would argue against that is Billetier. Billetier likes a lot of light, lots of light, I, so much light. I also agree with that. So much light. That and water. Yeah. He likes to be, Seems like my Billy yeah. is always thirsty for water, even after I watered it like three days ago. Mm-hmm. Christine, I'm still up and get that new leaf coming in on my Billy. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just got finally getting to big. My second newest leaf on mine. Is it still big? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm still sad because photos, photos. Yeah, I know. Mine was putting out nearly like, I don't know, that long oh, of leaves. Damn. And yeah. then now it's lost a good two inches on the newest leaf because yeah. it just didn't get the care it needed. But right. Okay. Next leaf. Back. Next leaf. I was gonna say it's looking like the next leaf is pumping out is gonna be another big one. It's nice. just I'm deciding what I, if I want to hold on to that plant or if I want to move it on or not. Yeah, I I do like my Billy, but I'm kind of getting to that point of it might be time to maybe take one cutting and then get rid of the rest of it and see what goes from there. 
Yeah, that's what I'm trying to realize is uh, Billy is a size commitment that yeah. I'm not sure I can commit oh, to. Oh, I am committing to it. <laughs> or I guess by getting rid of it, I'll just give it back to Caitlin. <laughs> you can have it. I'm annoyed because I chose to give you the bigger one. <laughs> Out of the goodness of my heart, and instead of keeping it. It will be returned to you. Uh, <laughs> I guess. I'm not quite there yet, but that, I, yes, it is. It, it, no matter where I put it, it is a light hog and a space hog. And I'm just like, where As am I, I going to keep you? As I point to these large fucking plants. Where am I going to keep you house? and be happy? Yeah. I have a problem. <laughs> Did I say I'm getting a new window? <laughs> oh my God, really? Like right here? Yeah. It's going to be the same as this one, but mm. there. I'm spoiled. Is your house going to fall down at some point? <laughs> no. I've, I've asked him to give me windows on the second floor on the south side of the house. And he's like, no. <laughs> Damn it. So I'm taking the main floor ones. You're going to be get. like when my mom would play Sims, she would literally just be window, 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 window. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be your house. <laughs> I mean, ideally, yes. And if we ever build our own house, you damn straight. I'm putting all the windows in. I mean, I would do the same thing. Right. I mean, I'm a little spoiled because our house faces south. So mm -hmm. I get tons of south windows. I got a little bit of east exposure and then I've got my west and my nicest light that I have or my nicest lighting is in my bedroom where I've got a south window and a west window on a corner. So that plant right there has prime spot. Right. Yes, that's usually where. Sounds like a ficus should go there. There was a ficus there. Oh. A ficus altissima, my four footer. Nice. Nice. Uh, currently, there's a Tycon there until I get my light that situation works. figured out. Yeah. But I was going to say, uh, whenever I first got my Ty Constellation, I was like, oh, I'm going to put it here in the south window. And everyone was telling me, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. God, shut up. And stop I saying that, everybody. Just put it in that southwest window. It was not, it's not a southwest. It's south and west. So, like, double the light. Nice. And I think that first year, I got six leaves out of it. Wow. And I got that and, in May of that of that one year. And people say Tycons are slow growers. Okay. Well, and I'm looking at this guy right here. He just put out a new leaf and now he's putting on a new leaf again. And I'm like, oh, OK, maybe you're finally established enough in your pot that we're in we're in business. So, yeah, he's got a south facing window and I don't let him dry out too much. And I took mine out of the cabinet and it's now directly underneath a Soltec. It had been struggling with thrips for a little bit, but now that it's out of it, it's it popped out a leaf almost instantly. So. Do you have a Soltec aspect? You have a Vita. I do Vitas. Okay. The the bulbs, so I can put them in my own lamps. All right, because I just got a Barina Spotlight light that's supposed to be like the knock, not the knockoff, but like similar to the aspect. And I was just wondering, I wanted to compare. Oh, sure. We can compare it. So say Kaylin might be a better candidate because I see yours over there and that's what mine is. Yeah. Yeah. Take our readings together and talk about it. <laughs> um, Watering needs. More. More. Well. Obviously, I mean, you don't want to dry them. Yes, they can handle being dried. But they out, do better if you don't let them dry all the way. But they do better with a consistent moisture level. Whether that is wetter or drier, like, they can deal with either one as long as you're consistent with it. I grow both of them, both philodendron and monstera. Like, if I stick my finger in the soil, if it's dry down one to two inches, I'm watering it. Yeah. I'd rather keep it on the... more And, like, I make sure to put perlite in with my potting soil so we have good drainage ability. Um, but yeah, when, when in doubt on the, like, you know, air on the side of caution, I water it yeah. as opposed to letting it dry out more because those are ones that are, I'm the exact opposite. If I'm on the edge, it can go another day or two without water. Oh, see. And for me, it's not another day or two. It's another week. So that's why I air on the side of watering. See, but in, like, <laughs> in the case of my corn plant or something like that, that one I'll air on the side of, it'll be fine for another week. Right. As, as I say, I say a couple days, but usually it's a couple weeks for me. <laughs> that see, that was, that's why I had to start. 
watering my ZZ just at the same schedule everyone else because I kept saying, oh, next time, next time, next time. And then there never was a next time. And then I finally saw what happens when a ZZ needs water. Oh, yeah. The shocks, the stocks just shrivel up to a point and then they got to know that afterwards. Or they flop over. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know ZZs do that. Yeah. I've got got ZZs in LECA that I've let go dry for more than a year and they've lost half of a stock to just drying out. And that's impressive for right. not watering them for that long yeah so i've just started watering them at the same time yeah and i would actually i would say venture to say that zz's do okay in leka just to i like, tried it i mean i yeah i love the idea of it sounds like fun um like i have plants. a succulent in leka yeah, yeah snake plants love leka so mm. why not it was one of those things that kind of caught me by surprise because uh most of my zz's in my northeast window that you've seen my zz's in that window they look nice don't they well they're not getting enough light but they look nice for how they're growing <laughs> they're all in leka mm, interesting i never paid attention to that yeah big containers of leka that just sit there i love that you have the zz in leka and i have a succulent in leka and we're just doing all sorts of things <laughs> i've also got a hawarthia in leka that's been in leka for three years now mm-hmm. it doesn't hate it <laughs> it doesn't love it but it doesn't hate it um, are you keeping reservoirs at the bottom of these guys? Uh, the Hawarthia will dry out for four or five months at a time. And then whenever I remember it, I'll throw water on there. <laughs> but you're, don't forget, you're also talking to the dude who leaves Hawarthia on the desk for right. six months. And then it still lives after that. Yeah. Yep. My white whale is still, it's looking good, growing new leaves. Funny. Uh, for my succulent and like, I'll let it go dry before I fill it up. And I'm not actually waiting for my leaves to shrivel before I add water. And it just does its thing. Happy as a clam. So I'm on stairs and philodendrons. <laughs> oh yeah, back on topic. <laughs> we just all have ADHD over here, everybody. It's um, propagating. It's. I mean, we're talking. Oh, let's do fertilizer then propagating. Sure, fertilize them. Okay. When it's time to- <laughs> <laughs> I I if if I'm on top of it, I'm fertilizing every time I water, even mm-hmm. in winter, just with a more diluted version, and then I do pH balance because I'm bougie. Right. What are you feeding them with? Like, what are the numbers? Uh, it's a nine three two uh, six. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Nine three six. Yeah. So a three one two, but yeah, yeah, yeah. tripled. Yeah. I'm finally out of my CNS seventeen. I'm gonna have to buy some Dynagrow. Yep, that's what I got. Dynagrow Foliage Pro. I'm looking at redoing my feeding stuff. I have always been geared towards tropicals, but now I'm trying to figure out what I need to do to gear towards succulents, like what works best for them. Cause I know with like philodendrons and philodendrons and monsteras, I use a lot of like kelp based. The maxi is what I use because oh. it's easier on plants for uptake. Cause it's not made from ammonium. It's made or urea. It's made from kelp. Yeah. So something about it makes it easier to take up. I don't remember. Yeah. Also less likely to burn the leaves and it's just better for foliage growth. I found. Right. Um, propagating. Yeah, propagating. That was easy. Uh, it's it's a vine node situation, so it's pretty Yeah, pretty if it's simple. a vine. Um pretty simple. Just chop the trunk, trunk, stock, whatever. Vine. Vine. Stem. In between leaves. Yeah. Don't cut off the petiole. If you luck out, I mean, I I say the best way to propagate is you wait for those aerial roots to hop into the soil and let them root themselves and then cut them out. Um, that is by far the easiest and best on, way. On that note, I was able to propagate 18 nodes off my elbow last right. spring because all of them had aerial roots that were either growing in the soil already or long enough I just put them in soil. I right. only had to water root a top cutting. Yeah. And Everything else went straight to soil. Yeah. And fill it, the vining philodendrons are really much the same when I did my top cut of my ghost. I thought I was going to have to air layer it, but nope, I saw that that top node had 
area where it's ways. down and had enough fruitage that I just planted it and made it a thing. Um, yep. No, and something like an Edinsonia, those don't necessarily have nuts looking aerial roots, so you can water root those. Yeah. I've had great success water rooting Edinsonia. Water rooting, moss, perlite. Um, I was going to say, I literally just take my cuttings, stick them in the potting soil I'm going to use them in, bag them, water them, Keep them moist. call it good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't had a lot of success with that, but I know a lot of people, that's just what they do. That's my most successful method, I feel, and followed up by moss and then water. Mm-hmm. See, personally, I like to start them in water, so then I see when the roots are going. And once they have like a little, you know, inch or two of roots, then I'll put them in the soil and keep it moist. I just like to know that something's happening before. But I can't see that if I just put them straight in soil. Right. Unless they already have the roots there. That's just me. I'm of, I, the way I learned propagation was you want to root before you rot. So I've always just Uh. blasted everything with light. And then that usually gets the root growth and I've never really had to worry about it. So I guess I don't keep tabs on that as closely as you would. Do you think light's more important than heat in a rooting situation? Definitely. Hmm. Because if they're getting heat and not enough light, they're going to want to grow. But what are they going to use to grow? Whereas if they've got the light, they've got the sugars to go. They'll just go. Uh, Fun fact. When I had spider mites on my Ansonia, I took cuttings. And I needed to quarantine them because I had spider mites. And I did, like, hose them down, spray them down. But I rooted them in water in my windowless bathroom. (laughs) And because it's warm in there, they rooted in no time. But they were getting enough light before they were cut. Exactly. Because whenever you get those chunks, which is, they're basically batteries. So if they don't have leaf on it, you're working with what you got. And in that case, I would say heat is more important than light. But if you've got a leaf, you want to keep that leaf functional as long as possible. They were single node leaf cuttings. That's a really good point, though, to bring up a lot of times. For some reason, people, when they're rooting monsters and vining pillows, want to take the leaf off. Oh, yeah. And they just want to work with chunks. Because they're easier and it's less space intense. Sure, you can throw Are them Are they in easier? A, you can for just, some people, yes. Okay. Because you can just throw them on moss and forget about them on a heat pad. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can close them up and shove them in a corner or something. But you are really doing a disservice because you're you're taking away the thing... That's already established and able to, in my opinion, give your plant more energy to grow. And yeah, it's itself. like it's a little solar panel. You're taking it away. Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, I try not to work with chunks just because I don't have a lot of success right. with them unless they're like massive ones. Yeah. But also I feel like if you've got that leaf, you should work with it because right. that's going to give you a good leg up on the yeah. situation. And if, it, and, it di- and if it dies off, that's the thing. You're giving yourself some insurance too. So if it dies off... Sure, continue working with the node. But if you're in a situation where you started with a node and now it starts to rot, you're kind of SOL. Yeah, and I'd also say the only time I ever work with just the chunk is when it's coming from a butt cut right? and doesn't have leaves. Otherwise, I don't really feel you should be aiming for a chunk. You should be aiming with something with a leaf on it. Right, and butt cuts normally would have a decent root system underneath them. Exactly. So if you're just taking a chunk off a butt cut, you're really... You're really not setting yourself up for success yeah. in that case, I'd say. Ooh, do we want to bring up the spent node thing with monsters? Is that specifically elbow? No, it can be anything. Yeah, I was going to say that's all. Anything with a node on it, it can only sprout once. Not Hoya, but all monster. Uh, as far or, as aeroids, I would say as okay. far as aeroids go, that's how it is. Okay. Because that's a structural thing, yeah. I think. Okay. So we should, we should expound on it because I don't think people might necessarily would understand what that means. So if you cut... Say you're going to trim your monstera down 
wherever you cut it at and it sprouts again and starts regrowing, that is the only time you can cut it at that point. You have to go one node up next time you go to propagate. Um, science behind that, the, the node is quote unquote spent. It can't it's reproduce just anymore. The growth potential, um, the way it's genetically programmed is it can only grow that one point one time. Anything hmm. after that, that growth point's already been used up. So it's like, it's not going to go. So that fathoms me a little bit just because like if the node is still there, the node is still genetically has has the things in my brain. It's just, yeah, I believe you and I've seen it happen. I'm just, it's something yeah. that I've always been like, why? In theory, it should be fine. Why can't it just go again? In theory, yes. I I would assume that there's some sort of like structural change to it sure. where as soon as it puts out that growth, it's just unable to again. Yeah. But I, again, I don't sense. know. I just smacked myself in the head. <laughs> I would, Good job. I would also venture to say that it also kind of helps keep the plant under control. Because if you have a node sending out growth after growth after growth, that could be very bad for the plant. I could see. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Top heavy, snapping, that kind of stuff. Makes me think of all those tissue culture mutants. Yeah. Oh, God. The burly marks. Those just in general. Well, I was thinking, like, <laughs> in particular, what I'm growing, my summer glory is just like... Boom, here's a bunch of babies. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Slow Bur down. Burley Marks does the same thing just naturally. It's crazy. Oh, that explains why mine grew so funny sometimes. Because I got a cutting from Adam. Is it an actual, like, uh, philodendron Burley Marks? Or? Yeah, it was. It okay. got spider mites. I gave it away, like, two two winters ago. That explains why I've never seen it. Huh. I was going to... I've, I've seen <laughs> so... That explains I've, why I've never seen it. <laughs> I have seen so many of your plants over the years that, like, I, I keep a mental image of... Basically everything you've ever showed me so I can compare stuff to whenever you bring it up again or you send me other pictures. So Maggie's digital archive of Caitlin's plants. <laughs> we you, share a lot of plant pictures. I was going to yeah. say, that's what you get for having a best friend as a plant person. You, lots of plant pictures. Unless you're friends with Christine, in which case she forgets to send them to you all the time. I feel like I've gotten a lot better. I just sent you a picture of my elbow. And you, all the plants you talked about last episode. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's just, I'm not taking pictures. Again, I was going to say. It's mental images in my brain. I'll be like, like watering plants. It'll be 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, Christine's probably sleeping, but I'm going to send her this picture of this Tycon leaf anyway. You do that to me too. And then at <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning, the next day you get a response. That's yep. same. Yep. 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 I can always tell when Mackie wakes up because they message me right away. <laughs> and then it's funny because I, I like wake up, respond to you because my alarm went off and then I go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed because then I'll respond to that and then have to wait for you to wake Bring up again. <laughs> Monstera's flower. They grow fruit. You can eat it. The fruit is edible. Don't take our In word Mexico, for it, though. It's just for legal bread purposes. Breadfruit? Breadfruit. It's like a cross between a mango and a banana, from what I hear. Yeah, from what I hear as well. <gasps> a mango and a banana. I didn't want to be weird and ask Tonkadale if I could have their Tycon fruit. I was very tempted to. I, like, Are you going to eat it? Because if you're not, I'm going to eat it. I am iffy about eating those because of the oxalate crystals that develop in it whenever it's immature. And if it's not ready to uh, eat, it will do hmm. some damage, hmm. like uh, esophageal damage. Not good. So there's well, your word of caution. You can put it in your mouth someday and taste it and then spit it out immediately. No, because they it's literally, already it literally it's like dumb cane. Oh, don't say that. Diffenbachia. Diffenbachia. It's like Diffenbachia. When you eat it, it just all the way down just scratches yeah gross uh yeah um pests they get them yep 
Spider mites has been my bane of my existence, but Threats. they can also get. Threats yeah. is by my big one for mine. Anybody get scale? No, I've never I have had it. scale on a Deliciosa before. That Deliciosa no longer exists. Mm. Okay, how about mealybugs? Not really. Aphids. I have mealybugs really. on one of mine. All right, so I'll pass. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but my mealybugs don't come from that naturally. They come from my succulent oh. collection. Oh, it's just too they close just to my succulent. Yeah. I'm taking it all back because my El Salvador had a pretty nasty mealy infection yeah. infestation back when I was in Lekka and I was stressed out. So don't stress your plants out or else they'll get pests. But I was going to say, definitely, if you're doing pest checks, check down the petioles near the yes. stem because that yes. is where mealies love to hide. That's where thrips go and that's where spider mites live. Yep. And that's where I like to hang out sometimes, too. And yeah, if, you, if you're on a place. pole or moss pole situation where they connect... They like to hide underneath there. Mm. Um, cool. Um, Segway what is into- your favorite monstera in your collection? I'm gonna try not to say elbow. I only have three monsteras, so I have to say elbow. I guess. Here, El Salvador is not number one. Not not until it gives me fenestrations. Oh, okay. Then it'll probably go up to number one. But elbow with its double fenestrations is. I am down to two monstera. I have a Ticon and an elbow. Yeah, they just, they get too big. So I had to be really selective of what monster I brought in. I mean, I had Ansonia. Yep. Got rid of it because I had spider mites. I had a Delicioso. I got rid of it because it was too big. I had the Siltipicana, which again, I liked it until I was sick of it. I had Peru for a hot minute. Mm, never got that one. Got sick of it. I've, I struggled with Peru so hard. It seems to want water on a consistent schedule and not to dry out, so it didn't last long. Uh-huh. Siltipicana, I would let it dry out too far and it would get dry rot. Yeah. Uh, Delicioso, I have Deliciosa Thai Constellation, a green, and then I've also got the Burley Marks Fantasy. Oh, that's right, because I gave it to you. Yeah, I still have it. It's still going. Oh, I'm getting nice. ready. To, I'm getting ready to chop it up because it's not in the best state, but I've got plans to grow it up a big bushy moss pole. Nice. So. Nice. Those are the only three I got, I think. I was going to say, I'm double checking myself, but I'm pretty sure I only have three. Because I, I have a small house, so I said I can only have two large plants. And I, well, besides my regal shield, I decided. <laughs> besides my regal shield. I decided I'm not doing a Deliciosa because I need to save space for an elbow and a Tycon. And now that I have them, they're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of lucky in that my husband just, as long as I don't take up more windows than I'm allowed, he's fine. <laughs> And he's kind of made it clear that I can add lights to areas to make them plant friendly. Yes. Yeah, see, I could do that. I really don't want to. That's a whole other door opening thing. If you can get away with not doing it, I recommend not not doing doing it. it. Because then it's going to turn into my house. (laughs) I was going to say, I've been doing the light game for so many years at this point. It's just, it's getting out of hand. You have racks. I have areas in the house. I know you're inspiring me to do some stuff with my space. Oh. It's starting over at my oh. place. <sighs> I just remembered I have an Anadisonia tricolor. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, was this the node? No. Oh. It was, no, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Shady um, business practices for the win. Uh, no, I got um, Kit when he did his sale and you got the marmalade. I got. A free Adansonia node, and then I bought a $5 one, so I'm growing both of those up. Oh, okay. The one turned completely all white and is probably going to just die off, yeah. but the other one's doing okay. Gotcha. Um, Monstera that you would grow if you had this space? The, the flame. Bromark's flame. flame. That one's a cool one. Escalada's not bad. 
I would probably honestly just grow and Sonia again. Yeah. Spread the room, the space. Yeah. Throw it up. Actually, yeah. now that you mentioned Escaletto, I've got a prop box full of them. <laughs> uh, Escaletto could be cool. Uh, I did. I really liked my and Sonia too. I, I've got really, that was back in my creative form where I went to the park. And I found a really cool branch that I liked. I brought it home. I like baked and soaked a branch to get all the bugs and stuff off you of it. You baked it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I grew my Adansonia up it and it was full and bushy and was like in this really cool shape and spider mites. But yeah, it was really cool. I'd probably grow that again in a heartbeat. Also made really fun when I chopped it all up and I had like a giant bouquet of it. Ah, I've done that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Multiple times. For me, it'd be tied between a variegated Adansonii or a Burlmark's Flame. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of pretty tied between the two. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in a tricolor, someday I'll have be able to take cuttings. It's pretty small yet. I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> I was going to say, like, as soon as you mentioned it, I was like, maybe I should hit her up later. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Give it a couple more months. It started to crawl up the pole. I just put it on the pole, so it'll probably go fast now. I probably won't be adding tropicals for another couple of months. I probably won't no be worries. until spring that I start really adding stuff to my right. collection again. Right. After I get my shade house built and <laughs> display benches. Right. Yes. Trying to think what else for Monstera and Philodendron. We, we didn't talk about self-heading Philodendrons. Right. I, Those... would, I would say to quick recap, when we're vining, Philodendrons are very similar to Monstera's as far as care, what they need. Propagating them. Things they like. Basically copy Hobbies, career aspirations. Yeah. And we discussed crawlers for a little bit. Crawlers are great when it comes to propagating because you can just chop them up, pull them out. Or mm. chop them up, leave them. Yeah. And eventually them re- pull them out. Yeah. Um, self-heading philodendrons. They are their own special breed. What are they, Christine? <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm not the <laughs> philodendron person. <laughs> you just need to be like, Caitlin, tell us about your self-heading philodendrons. Uh, okay. I'm going to try this. Okay. And then you're going to tell me I'm wrong. So vining philodendrons, they will... Nope, I'm not even going to try it because I can't remember the names of stuff. Well, the self-heading philodendrons, they don't have a true vine. So they're like, their nodes are stacked right on top of each other. So yeah. it's more like a shrub bush. It's like an allocation. Growth pattern. So there's no internodal spacing between them. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, there's, you know... There's some. Uh, yeah, but if you're going to like take a razor blade to it and try and take cuttings, you're probably going to fuck up one or two at a time. Um, right. But I... I was actually looking, I was at the Coma Conservatory and they had a Rojo Congo that had an actual vine, but that's because it was old enough that it had grown up and up and up and up that it was like three feet off the ground. It looked like it had a vine, but like all of those were, there were like the leaf scars uh-huh. where it used to have leaves. So um, the guys that I grow, I have the Rojo Congo, the Prince of Orange, uh, Philodendron Moonlight and Black Cardinal for my ring of fire. Self-heading is ring of fire. Yeah, I guess it's kind of self-heading. That one has a little longer spacing in between the nodes, but... I was going to say, I get some crazy aerial roots on my ring of fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're just little bushes and they're round and they're actually quite large right now, which is beautiful, but also a problem. I would say you get the most dramatic color on the self-heading ones too, because I've, oh, yeah. I've got a red sun at home and it is just gorgeous when it puts out a new leaf. Mm-hmm. I had Imperial Red for a while too. Love that one. I just love the leaves when they come out. They're different shades and then they fade and do things and just so pretty. Have you seen the moonlight with the red variegation on it? The red moon or something like that? Or <laughs> Yeah, because I think Aaron Aaron's growing some... it and he shows it. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That is I still prefer my regular like 
Oh, green one. If yeah. I could have any self-heading philodendron, it'd be that one, the variegated one, just because I love those two colors together. Yeah, they're cool. Sexy little it. beasts. Uh, for propagating those, you mm. can absolutely still propagate them. Um, just cut them in half. No, you'll probably chop off a leaf or two and skewer that node, but you know, whatever. Um, water root them or stick them directly in soil. Will uh, they and ever... then the bottom, the butts will grow into new plants. I was going to say, if you don't chop the top, will they ever send new bottom growth out at all? I have not seen any. I have um, Ring of Fire and Melonii. Melonii. They put out babies for you? Because mm-hmm. the reason I asked is because like it, they're not related to aeroids, but Nepenthes, they'll do basal growth. And I'm wondering if self-heading philodendrons would do something similar to that. I haven't I, had any on the ones that I'm growing, but I did. When I got my Prince of Orange, there were like five plants in the pot. But and that I ended you got splitting them up. The thing about that though is like you gotta with that, I don't you don't know if that's from the tissue culture process. Which or, I, that would be my guess now that I know yeah. a little bit more about them. I've always just been curious if there's a way to propagate the self-heading ones without having to necessarily destroy the architecture with a chop. Mm-hmm. I yeah, because so I have seen babies start on those two. I'm but I, I failed and like they eventually died off because I obviously some care thing has to change because they just weren't able to sustain them. Um, whether they probably just needed to be more moist during that time. Moist. But yeah. Um, self-headers get pretty large. They flower a lot more than the vines. Yeah. Like my moonlight's been constantly flowering since like March. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I don't think I've seen a vining one in flower. I don't think I've seen vining ones in flower yet. Vining ones like tortum? Not tortum. I'm talking more like the campus border on them and stuff like that. Oh, okay. My 69686 had a flower. It just recently shriveled mm-hmm. up and died. But yeah, it, I can officially say they do it. So proud of myself. Woo-hoo. I was just wondering if it was just like a difference in culture that they needed between the two forms to mm-hmm. really get one to bloom or not. I'm just, that's just what I get yeah, curious yeah. about. Yeah, I've seen people with their silver swords bloom. Oh, weird. Interesting. I haven't seen anything on like a heart leaf philodendron though. Or like a Rio. Oh my gosh. I, I, I forgot say- about those. Yeah, they're biting philodendrons. Philodendron should have been its own episode. Um, yeah. And with that, air or epipremnums, those are aeroids too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that so could be its own episode. Pothos. That's pothos is its own thing. Oh, pothos. <laughs> I am excited for the pothos thing. Like I could tell you about what real pothos are all about. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> we just recently learned about that. Pothos versus epipremnum. Fascinating, isn't it? Versus syndapsis, yeah. Ah, syndapsis. Um, favorite philodendron? That's tricky because I have so many. My favorite, favorite, favorite. Mm, I would say right now my two favorites are going to be the Moonlight and my Warswixii Aureum. Both yellow. Mine's going to be my Florida Ghost. Mm. Mine's my Red Sun. Nice. My Florida Ghost has been killing off some of its white leaves that are in the mm. middle of the vine that haven't turned green yet. Interesting. Why are they doing that? Mine has also done that now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, and, like, some leaves will be fine, and they'll, like, turn the green color like they're supposed to, and, like, it happened before, and it's happening again, and I'm just like, what? Why? Is it maybe? Because, so, after mine dropped a couple leaves was when it put out its massive leaf. Same. Is it giving itself space? What do you mean, space? I, like, I tend to think plants, obviously, will get more internodal spacing to give themselves space for larger leaves, or potentially will drop leaves. Isn't that just because they're not getting enough light? I don't know. I mean, they, they have to eventually, because like my billy is still gradually giving more and more internal oil spacing, but the leaves keep getting bigger. I think it's like 
semi giving itself more space. But if we talk about the billetier at the San Diego Botanic Garden. I haven't seen that, so I can't talk about it. It looks like a self-heading philodendron, and the leaves are the size of, like, three-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking nonsense then. Uh, so let's, let's all just rewind 10 years and go back to college to be plant scientists. See, while you guys are thinking about that, I'm thinking about what it would take for a plant to know that. The only thing I can think of is... Oh, to give itself space. Maybe, yeah, yeah maybe between the, the internal spacing is the same. It's just a matter of how much it's stretching out. Uh. Because a lot of plants, they don't add new growth. They'll just take what they already have and just stretch it. Right, right. And I'm wondering if maybe that's what's going on with the vining part of it. But mm. why does it want to stretch? Because it could be a sign of maturity, right? That it's just being able to process everything it has, or maybe it's just getting what it needs now that's higher up, closer to that light. Can I mean, I, I also light. argue like with a lot of my a lot of my plants. So, like Kaylin, all of your most of the plants that you have underneath, direct down grow lights are ficuses, trees, and I'm looking at other stuff. I think part of my issue is. Or what I was having with my Billy, it was I was doing direct down, but it wants more of that angled light because it would be attached to a tree in light meaning in life, meaning it's going to see sun from the side. So maybe an east or west would have worked better for it. Yep. Now it's in a west window and I'm kind of thinking the same thing now with my elbow. Now that it's getting too big, it's it currently in a down facing. I think I'm eventually going to want to get it to a side facing light situation. Because, like, my elbow faces a window, and that's uh -huh. the light it gets. So uh -huh. all the leaves are pointed to the window. Right. Parallel. And my elbow's doing this. Facing up. I don't think it's going to want to do that long term. Mm. It's not going to continue sizing up doing that. It's going to want to drop or hang or whatever you want to call it. But do you think with time, it it'll drop those leaves? Not drop them, but, like, tilt them down? Because as the new growth is growing up towards that light and being facing towards that light, it's, it's going to too much and it's going to want to, I see what you're not, saying. No, not that. Oh. It's the leaves that are originally pointing up towards the light are going to be like, okay, well, I'm not getting as much light there. So maybe it's better to tilt down. They haven't been doing that. Okay. So maybe it's still too much light from the top. Maybe. I don't know. Interesting stuff. I could sit here and talk about growth forms all day. <laughs> <laughs> we like plants. Well, that's like really the only way to do it is to have multiple species or multiple specimens and put them in different locations and see what happens. Yeah. That's really the only way to find, figure it out. I.e. Kalen's is in a window and doing what it should. It's doing what you would think an elbow would do. Whereas mine is all pointed up. Yeah, but Kalen's also got some of those plants that are doing things that I... Never seen plants do. <laughs> like, off topic, your petiolorus over there, that ficus. I don't understand why it's growing right now. <laughs> a, yours is blessing you with winter growth, which mine never does. Also, how old is that plant? Um... It was, hmm, I'm blanking. Brandon bought it for me. <laughs> it's got to be what? Because mine is probably five or six years old. And mine I had it in the apartment. We've been in the house for two years, so. Okay, so it's Probably bought recent. it in 2020 or 2021. Okay, because I bought mine probably years before the pandemic. Mine lives in a four-inch pot. Kaylin's is in a one eight much inch. bigger than eight-inch pot. <laughs> Mine is about six inches tall with a fat codex, but yours is almost as tall as me. Yeah, that it's plant not that just, tall. It's not taller than me. I said it's almost as tall as me. It's like four to five feet. Yeah, that's crazy to me because like I don't understand like why mine doesn't do that. And then normally it goes dormant in winter and it does not grow very much. But look at those fucking leaves it's putting out. <laughs> They're huge. They're gorgeous. I just bought seeds from for that plant. So I'm going to be growing that from seed here soon. Sweet. I'm excited. Yeah, I am jazzed. I have 
three separate, I'm counting three, one, two, three, three separate growth points, three different sections on that guy. I'm just so pleased with those new leaves. And then yeah. the little the little leaf sack thing at the top where it puts out new leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell how big the leaf is going to be by how like rotund that little dude is. And they're so rotund. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I like when they chunks. get pillowy right before they pop open with the new leaf. That's what I like. Yeah, they're so cute. I just want to put it in my mouth. I love the feeling of those new leaves in your mouth. No. <laughs> Separate thought. <laughs> With, I have a, they're kind of fuzzy <laughs> and they're soft and bendy and they kind of feel like a ball sack. Oh my God. So I whispered it. <laughs> Any wish list philodendrons? Wish list philodendrons? Why were we talking about ficus for so long? We're talking about philodendrons. We're talking about plant uh, light direction. Um, wish list philodendrons. I'm excited that my orange marmalade is finally growing. Now that you can get them for 30 bucks at curtains. <laughs> Can't see it. I'm flipping everyone off right now. <sighs> yes, but I'm getting bigger leaves than those $30 yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah. So my time and effort and also $30 is so, paid off. So it has finally rooted and doing its thing. And- it put out a leaf, which I don't think it's ever going to unfurl, uh-huh. but it's putting out a second leaf. Nice. So I'll show it to you. Afterwards. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of the philodendrons I want. Right. I am growing a lot of cool ones that I thoroughly enjoy. And then I'm not actually like in a hurry to collect other ones because I have yeah, the ones I, I like. I had the ones that I was like, those are cool. I want them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if I was to say I there's one I want would be a caramel marble, but I'm not paying Ooh, yeah. for that. Those are cool. I'm not paying for that. So wait. I do like the Pluto, which gives us the same leaf shape and like a moody Goth it's a darker plant. version of it. Just yeah. Also super fucking cool. Yeah. As far as wish, wish list philodendrons, I don't have one at the moment. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you want a cutting on my tortum someday. That's the closest thing. Yeah. There That'd we go. be it. Is I'm looking forward to that tortum. But I'm also kind of an anti wish list person. True. Yeah. I'm not that I'm anti wish list. I'm just like, we have been so greedy as a collective houseplant hobby in the last couple years that I, echo that sentiment and I'm just like fuck it I don't give a shit I get it I get it I like Mm -hmm. the ones I have I love the ones I have yeah I've there's nothing that I pine over anymore I used to but nothing not really anymore I'm excited for my mammy eye to get bigger and I am excited for my pastas on them I love those too as well that pastas on them is really nice I I just got a big new pillowy leaf (laughs) my little brother has one and his looks fantastic too and every time I see him I'm like I, I like, wish I could do that. I like I pastas. could, but they're too dramatic for your care, I think. They are. I tried and it was not fun. I just think they get too big for me. Again, I have to be careful about how big of plants, how many big plants I take. You know how I was like, oh, my plowma or my, um, what's it called? Pasta's on them is outgrowing its large square pot because I, I have it in a square pot and I have it growing diagonally across the pot so I can maximize the surface area it gets to crawl on before I have to repot. It's finally like happy and doing its thing. And the damn thing has reached the end of the pot. And I'm like, now is not the time to <laughs> A, repot you or B, cut you up. Cause like you're finally growing the way I want you to. Like, why do you have to be like this? But that's the time and place we are at now. Yeah. They'll always look the nicest when they're running out of room. That's me and my plumania. Cause I gave it a nice, I bought like a 20 inch long pot for Jeez. it. Well, I was like, cause you'll just grow, you'll grow across it. And three years from now, I'll repot you or whatever. Nope. It decided to take a hard left and it's now going to run into the wall in like a day. (laughs) (laughs) What you could do, depending on where it's situated, is 
cut it in half and then loosen up the soil and move oh, yeah, just the front it part. Because yeah. that's what I did when I cut up my pasta on them is I just took a steak knife to the stem, cut it up in the pot <laughs> it existed in, and I just rearranged some of them so they fit better. And then I just left it. Yeah. Because I didn't disturb most of the roots. Right. So it was able to like chill out, start growing. Once they were start growing into plants, that's when I separated them. Right. I do like my crawler. I do like my... I was going to say those crawlers really pique my interest because of the way they grow. Yeah. It's just an interesting form and in how they, like, even if you give them an obstacle, they just perfectly bump up, go over oh, it yeah, and go right like, back down. And here we go again. Yep. I did finally chop up my gloriosum that I was saying was doing that. It like did a snake over the mm-hmm. edge of the pot and then it was like, oh, I'm growing down. Let's grow up. Mm. So I finally steak knifed it. You and your steak knives. <laughs> my sister didn't want her knife block and I was like I'll take care of it for you because she couldn't bear to throw it away and then I was gonna like just give it away for free and then I was like no I'm gonna use this for plants (laughs) so I have a steak knife block well it's got the steak knives and the the big ones and mostly use the steak knife and the bread knife (laughs) as I said the bread knives are great for monsteras Mm -hmm. oh yeah little saws I was watching um One of my plant friends on Instagram was helping a friend repot and she had like these wimpy ass little snips trying to like cut this big monstera and my brain's just like, Paige, use a steak knife. I have used up to those yard trimmers with Mm, the really mm -hmm. wide Mm, clipper angle. I've used those on monsteras because it's just nice to just slice right through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, When I chopped my plumeria, I had Brandon get out his little hacksaw. I was going to say, Sawzall would be... Oh, Sawzall is uh, huh. that's a little overkill, but also effective. He got one for Christmas. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> it can be at my disposal. Cool. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, monsters and fillows are great plants to have. There's many of them to have. So, I mean, there's lots of people. That's all they grow. And I see why, because for the most part, they're pretty chill mm-hmm. i do wish we could get a couple more monstera species like in regular circulation I there, there's enough but i feel like i want more i feel like all the easily accessible ones are more difficult to grow but easy to propagate like mm-hmm. the silt bacanas mm-hmm. the perus you want to see more like obliques well oblicas no some of the the obscure ones that are kind of expensive but they're still cool looking i don't like know. laniata oh right maybe with time yeah you ever hop on the Aurea train? They just look like giant golden pothos to me, so I'm not interested. Right. See, and I... You're interested. If I had a wishless plant, that would probably be one <laughs> of the ones, I guess, would be a Monstera Aria. But I kind of have an offer for one. I just haven't taken them up on it yet. Right. Shout out, Jen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're cool. cool plants. Big plants. Just know what you're getting into if you're if you listen to us and said, huh. Maybe if you give your plant track. enough light, it'll be a big plant. Be a big <laughs> plant. <laughs> uh, yeah. So plant of the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I, haven't, I haven't thought that far. <laughs> I'm staring at Christine, trying to visualize my plants in the basement, thinking if I want one of them to be my plant of the week. I Maybe. think I will go ahead. Oh, shit. I'm going to, it's going to be my crystallinum. It's going to be my plant of the week. I was going to say pastas on him because I'm happy with him too, but crystallinum. Gave me that big ass sparkly green velvety soft leaf. Huge. It also has an inflorescence that I pollinated the other day. Not sure if I had enough pollen on the inflorescence from Gabby, but I tried it anyway. Gave it a nice little hand job in the tent. We'll see what happens. Nice. Um, I'm going to do my alocasia green velvet. Ooh. Green velvet. 
it's not it has two babies in it so it's not like a super full plant but the leaves are starting like the leaves are massive right now yeah michael it's uh pillowy sweet mine would probably be my anniversary thai constellation nice uh the one you bought on the internet the one i'm sharing the growing experience (laughs) with my husband he's growing same same plant different different room different room (laughs) (laughs) funny one for each of them Mm -hmm. yep I love that binds them together. (laughs) Sorry, that was horrible. Take that back. (laughs) Take that back. Easy. Too cheesy. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into our episode on Philodendron and Monstera. It's glad to be glad to be back here on uh, season two of Rough Around the Hedges podcast. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Stay rough. Bye bye. Bye.